Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Flav, 15 minutes are on the timer, and the topic is alcohol. Uh, yeah. Um, so what's your relationship with alcohol like now as a, as a grown man, a mature grown man who has a family? Not great, I would say. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I mean, I appreciate it and enjoy it too much. Um, but I would say that if someone look, outside looking in would, would, would say that, I probably have a drinking problem. Really? <laughs> I, 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 if I'm being honest, yeah, I think, you know, I, I drink most days. Um, occasionally I make a concerted effort to not do it, like to, to make, have a couple of days off. But I find in those days that that I'm um, more bored than I would be if I if I, if I was drinking. And, and to be honest, this has been a habit of mine, not drinking, but taking things to alter my perception since I was in my early 20s and I know it's a part of my character and and what I enjoy doing and and I also know that it's damaging to my health um but yeah I guess I guess uh I, I really enjoy alcohol and um I don't want to to to, to live a life where I don't have a drink every now and then but I definitely need to cut back I think that's a very reasonable perspective to have that you know you, you're able to self-reflect and say you enjoy it but you know it's bad for you and the fact that you are able to stop if you make a concerted effort makes me think perhaps you haven't got the problem you think you have I mean I'm I in some ways I'm the same um I really like having a beer or a glass of wine at the end of a difficult working day just to sort of relax chill out I like the taste I like trying new beers. Mm. I like trying new wines. So there's like, it's a constant temptation. If it's in the house, at the moment, I've got a huge stock in because we're in lockdown and it's just there staring me in the face. And I think, you know, one won't hurt. But then one becomes two. <laughs> and then you, like you say, you, you get to the end of the week and you're drunk every day and you feel really bad about yourself. Well, that's it. That's the thing is that it's the the one becoming two and the two becoming a bottle of wine and then a, a bottle and a half or 
uh, you open a whiskey. And um, yeah, that, that's, that's the issue. That's my problem is I can't just have one glass of wine. I, I, I need, uh, I, I just, once I've had a sip, it's gone. Like, it's like I'm, on that, I'm on that wagon then. Um, so I know that about me. And, uh, and that, yeah, again, that's not healthy. I, I kind of find that if I have two, I start feeling sort of groggy if I stop. Do you know what I mean? I don't know if you've, yeah, yeah. you've had so that feeling. So particularly afternoon drinking and then later in the evening you'll feel that grogginess. Yeah, which isn't a nice feeling and you know it goes away with another whiskey <laughs> kind of thing. I, I, I generally think that, um, I think that there is a wider problem or drinking culture in England is, is, is such, so, so entrenched in who we are and what we do as a, as a nation of people that I think a lot of people are probably doing the similar sort of thing. Um, I remember seeing adverts on the radio saying, um, you know, don't drink every day, uh, you know, have have a day off, day on, day off kind of thing. And the fact that they were making these national campaigns that were on TalkSport a lot of the time suggests that this is a this is a, a pandemic in its own right in terms of the damage it's causing and the damage it does to the NHS. And I say that the damage it does to the NHS, but the tax they make on cigarettes and the tax they make on alcohol far outweighs the cost of the damage or the cost of treating people in the NHS. And I know this because I've done my research um, for smoking, especially they make around 12 billion a year in tax and it costs about 6 billion to the NHS to do it. So they're doubling their money by people smoking. And that's why the government, although they can't be seen to say this, don't want people to quit smoking. They lose revenue and the, the same with drinking, but the, the kind of political, the political truth is that they have to say, this is bad for you. Stop. And I think all of that makes sense. Like you're right in saying that it's inbuilt into us. And I, I think my my relationship with alcohol and the way that I drink alcohol, I think stems from the way I used to socialise when I was 17, 18, 19. So when I was 18, we would go to the pub for a night out and that meant we would drink solidly from the moment we got to the pub to the moment we, that we got chucked out of the pub. Mm. Uh, and so that's kind of, that's then your learning of how you how how you manage your relationship with alcohol you drink it until you're you don't drink it anymore like there's no oh just go for a one or two pints and then go home that wasn't that wasn't the culture back then it was we stay here and we get hammered so there's no inclination for me now to stop and i've I've, like it's you're right it's it is damaging and i do struggle i do struggle just to have one or two beers and that's not that's not a good thing yeah, but I don't. I don't think it's, it's it's necessarily a bad thing either because I I know that drinking heavily every day it does damage you, and I don't I don't want to be that. But by the same token, life is about enjoying it in the moment, and um and and there's nothing wrong with saying I enjoy having a drink. Um, I know it's unhealthy, but I enjoy having a drink. It's just when it becomes. If you if you're waking up in the morning and you're thinking about drinking, then you know it's become it's become your life rather than it supplements your life. One of the other things I found, Wendy, right, is I'm insanely productive in between uh, a sip of red wine and the second glass. Like I'll sit at my computer maybe, and it'll get to about half five, six o'clock, um, and typically I might open a, gl- a bottle of red wine and. I will work solidly and, and intensely in those two hours. I might record a podcast. I'll tell you what I did notice, but I'll come to in a second. But I, I find that that initial period of feeling tipsy makes me 
really productive and I have great ideas and my inhibitions go and I start to my ideas start to flow and I start talking like I start typing ideas and talking to people and I get a lot done in that period I find it a lot harder to get motivated when I don't have that stimulus I do do it but it's I don't enjoy my work as much as I do when I've had a glass of wine it's a weird I definitely agree with you about the creativity and ideas as well I'm the same as you if I ever have to work late or if I'm working on projects outside of work if I've had a beer or a glass of wine I know that I'll be yeah like you say less inhibited I'll I'll think outside the box more I'll do things that I wouldn't necessarily do in my nine to five time um and like like you say I think as long as you are responsible and realize the second this comes a point where you wake up and you're craving alcohol then it's time to do something about it I've thank thankfully Thankfully, I've not got to that point, and my alcohol, my my drinking is always like late afternoon at the earliest, and, and yeah, that's, well, at the, that's the same. Like, so you got you kind of that. The, I think it's a healthy thing when you wake up with a slight hangover, going, "Oh, that is disgusting." Never again. Never again. Ne- yeah, even though you know it's bollocks, you kind of think, oh, I'm done with this." But it's the problem is when you sober, when you well, when the hangover's gone, and especially if the sun's shining and it gets to a certain point, it's nice. It's nice to, to repeat that process. Um, I do sometimes listen back, not on the fighting cock so much. It's not a problem because drinking is a part of the fighting cock. It's, it's what we do when we get together because it's so closely linked to, to football. I mean, I don't think, I can't remember a single game of football that I've been to where I haven't been at least partway drunk going into the stadium. Um, so obviously the fighting cock is a, an extension of that. Um but I do listen to some podcasts I've done on Skype when I've been on my own or, or with you boys and I and it's clear that I'm drunk and I, I listen back and I cringe. I'm like, like what? Because at the time, I don't feel like I'm drunk. or I, I kind of know it, but I'm not. I feel like this is fine because when you're drunk, you've got a full sense of confidence. Uh, and then you listen back on uh, the light of day and you're thinking, all right, I overdid that. So I've done... I'm, I'm, I made a conscious effort not to record when if I've if I it has been an evening where I've drunk more than I should. Um, so yeah, that's that. I've kind of that's good. That's a good lesson. That's a, like it holds a mirror up to what I'm doing and how I'm behaving when I can listen back to what I've recorded. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Uh, it would be remiss of me not to tell a couple of drunk stories. I've got some bangers. Um, I, funnily enough, I was fairly sensible with alcohol in my late teens, early twenties. And then sort of 23, 24, I just had a, I I don't know what went wrong, but I I made bad decisions. Um, so should I tell, I'll tell you one of the stories which I I think is the the, the worst one or the best one, depending on your viewpoint. So (laughs) I think we were 22 and it was one of those summer evenings where, you know, everyone's been away to uni and you're getting back together as mates and you're kind of recounting old times. And so this was in Hemel Hempstead where I grew up and there was a nightclub there called Visage, which was 
just an absolute hellhole. But we, we were in the pub and there was an understanding between us that we were going to go to this club at the end of the night. So me and one of my mates bought a round of tequilas for everyone. And I think there were, let, let's say there were eight people there and we bought two tequilas each, something like that. It was, it was stupid. And then no one wanted tequila. So me and my mate polished off these tequilas between us. And this is after a night on the beers. And I, I wasn't a tequila drinker anyway. I was just showing off in front of my mates and trying to be cool. So I felt all right initially. But we got to this nightclub. We got a taxi up there. We got to the nightclub. And I remember walking in there and suddenly the kind of the loud music, the darkness, the fresh air from walking out the taxi, everything just hit me. And I just felt horrendous like horrendously drunk really horrendously drunk so I made my way to the toilet and I thought okay splash the water in the face try and try and sort myself out maybe even be sick let's see what happens uh and I got into the toilet and I realized just how bad I was I couldn't stand up and I was like swaying I couldn't even wee properly because I was like swaying so much I was like I've got to go home that and you know that point in the night where your the homing signal comes in so I was just like right I've got to go home Priority is getting home, and I walked straight out of the club. And my friend the next day said he saw me just walk out of the toilet and straight out the front door of the nightclub without saying goodbye <laughs> to anyone. <laughs> Didn't interact. The that right. that happens is unreal. It's mad. You just you just disappear. It's it's not. There are a couple of mates that have that form of doing that. Is that they they just they do a Copperfield we used to call it where they would just <laughs> they'd be there and then they'd be gone and then you just find them the next day. God willing, they make it home. Uh, it's a ma- it's, it's crazy how you have that home in beacon like doesn't matter how mangled you are you find a way to get back to home and you, and the scary thing is you wake up the next day and you have no idea how you got there it's a it's a, it's a uh, wonderful thing but yeah. so on this night i i walked out of the nightclub and i got in a taxi and as typically happens i felt nauseous as soon as the taxi started moving and uh, <laughs> i was sick in the back of the taxi and oh, no. on the dual carriageway in Hemel Hempstead and the guy pulled over and said, get out. So I got out onto the dual carriageway, by the side of the dual carriageway, and started walking down the dual carriageway, uh, swaying all over the place, probably into the road. Horrendously dangerous. Like, this is such stupid yeah. behaviour. And I got to yeah. the bottom of the dual carriageway, and my house was probably another five minutes walk away, and I saw a fight erupting. Uh, and police were around and I was like oh god they're gonna see me I'm drunk I'm drunk and disorderly what's gonna happen like I I ran past these these police I don't know what I was thinking I got to my got to my front door uh in fact I didn't get to the front door I got to the to the edge of like the wall at the bottom of the garden and then I couldn't stand up any longer and I was like crawling along being sick did you live at home yeah yeah, yeah, I lived at home and my dad and mum had their bedroom window open and my dad must have heard and he came down um, and, and found me with sick all over me, like crawling up the driveway, basically. Uh, Look, I mean, it gets worse. Disgust. It gets worse. I don't know. I mean, I'm probably not even going to be able to finish this story, but... Um, Quick, go on. We've got, you've got two minutes, I all think. All right. Okay. So I got inside go. and there was sick all over me. My parents decided the best thing to do is to strip me down and put me in the shower. So my parents, who hadn't seen my naked body since I was probably about 10 years old, (laughs) were seeing me naked for the first time as a grown man. Uh, They stripped me down. They put me in the shower. They showered me down. And I said, Mum, I need a toilet. And she was like, "Okay, it's fine. You can go to the toilet. I was like, Mum, I need a poo. (laughs) So my parents got me back out the shower, sopping wet. I sat on the toilet in front of my parents and I had a poo, 
while I was pooing, <laughs> my dad got me a pint glass of water and gave me a pint glass. And they were like pu- pushing it up to my lips to make me sip out of it. And I said, you don't need to help me. I'm fine. I'm all right now. I've sobered up. I'm okay. And he's like, no, you're not fine. You need some help. Anyway, what happened? He lets go of the glass. Straight away, glass smashes between my legs. So I'm <laughs> sat on the throne having a poo with smashed glass all around my legs. Uh, my, it got a bit too much for my mum at this point, And she passed out. So she passed what? out. <laughs> what, fainted? Yeah, fainted. Picture the scene. Me, naked, pooing. Glass everywhere. Water everywhere. My dad did not know what to do. Dust pan and brush between my legs. Oh, my God. The worst thing about it is, I mean, this is horrendous. Obviously horrendous. Uh, My dad took great great pride in going into B&Q where I worked the next day and telling all of my friends why I wasn't in work. Uh, and relaying the story of what had happened that evening. Was that a lesson? It should have been a lesson, shouldn't it? Um, <laughs> I had a lot of apologising to do, a lot of making up to do. I, I think because of the situation, they, 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 they were able to laugh it off and laugh at me, but not my proudest hour, shall we say. We should get Ricky on here to tell some of these drunken stories. I mean, I've got more. There's, I could talk uh, it's an embarrassing number of drunken stories, but I think that is, that's the one that takes the biscuit. And you know what? I've absolutely nailed the timing. Our 15 minutes are up. <laughs>